Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Hey, Elevation Church. My name is Craig Rochelle and I'm the pastor of Life Church. And I wanted to take a moment and send personal greetings your way and tell you that I sincerely thank God for every single one of you and the influence that you're having through six different elevation locations all across Australia and impacting people all over the world. And I just want to express my love for your pastors. Pastor Miles and Bonnie um, have been dear friends of my family for years and years. Our kids grew up together, played tons of sports together, stayed up way too late, drank way too much caffeine together, and just created amazing memories. And uh, Pastor Miles served on our church team for years and years until God called him back to serve um, in the amazing Elevation Church. And I just want to say to you all, congratulations on the amazing, healthy, God-honoring leadership translation as Miles and Bonnie really took the charge of Elevation in January of this year. And I know that God is honoring all of you and your faithfulness to pray and to invite people and to serve and to make a difference. And so what they did is they invited me to share a message that I created about influence. And I pray that you would recognize that you're a very influential part of the body of Christ, that your influence isn't just for the people nearby, but really you can touch people all over the world. So it's a great honor with great friends and an amazing church that I was honored to visit a few years back to share this message. I pray it builds your faith. I pray it inspires you to be a bright light in a very dark world. May God bless every single one of you through Elevation Church to let the light shine. Hey, quick question today before we start. I'm curious, Are there any influencers in our presence today? If you're an influencer, would you raise your hand right now? Just raise your hand up, raise your hand up. I got a couple here at your church today. I'm wondering if there's an influencer, would you just raise your hand? Okay, thank you. Got a couple of influencers here. Appreciate you, glad to have you in the house. My name is Craig Rochelle and I am honored to serve as the pastor of Life Church. I have been married for 32 years to my best friend. We have six children. We have three sons-in-law. We have five grandkids and we have a grand dog. And uh, a lot of people see our six kids. They say, you must love kids. I do love kids, but even more, I love that girl sitting next to me. I love my wife so much and so thankful for you and the legacy of kids and grandkids that we have. What I want to do today is I want to bring a Christ-centered approach to leadership and talk to you about your leadership. Now, some of you are going to say, but uh, thank you. I wish I didn't come to church today because I'm not a leader. I don't even have a title. I want to remind you what leadership is. What is leadership? Leadership is influence. And the good news is you have influence. With all of my heart, I want you to know that I believe that God has called you to be an influencer. God has called every single one of you to be an influencer. Key thought for today, we'll revisit again and again because you have no idea 
how one conversation, one word of encouragement, or one expression of love might change someone's life. You have no idea how God might use one word of encouragement, one conversation, one moment of influence to change someone's life. Now, I asked you earlier, do we have any influencers in the house? And very few people raised their hands. Why do you think that is? I would suggest that the reason why most people don't see themselves as influencers is because culture has hijacked the true meaning of influence. I uh, looked it up online and I just typed in, what is an influencer? And the very first definition that came up was this. An influencer is an individual who has the power to affect purchase decisions of others because of their authority, knowledge, or relationship with their audience. I gotta scratch my head when I see that. An influencer is someone who influences purchase decisions? Like, I'm sorry, I know I'm in my 50s, but I'm a little bit confused because when I was growing up, I used to think that teachers were very influential in the lives of a lot of students. I had some coaches that were influencers and changed the trajectory of my life. There were Sunday school teachers who could shape the lives of children. And today, most would say, well, an influencer, that's a celebrity or a thought leader or a content creator. As I researched influencers online, I honestly gave up trying to find any single article that didn't talk about social media and influencers together, which is absolutely tragical and anti-biblical in my opinion. What I wanna do today is bring a message of encouragement to your church, and I wanna try to help you reclaim the word influencer. The title of this message is, Don't Waste Your Influence. Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you stir within us to accept your calling to shine the bright light of Jesus into a dark world, influencing people toward the things of God and that which brings you glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody, would you say it loud? It's no fun without you. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. Uh, let's start in God's word with the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter five, uh, starting in verse 13, Jesus is going to tell us who we are. He says this, who are you? Jesus says, you are the what? Let's all say it aloud, it's no fun without you. You are the salt of the earth and you are what? You are the light of the world. What are you? You are salt and you are light. Salt purifies, it preserves, it flavors, light shines, light dispels the darkness. Touch your neighbor and say you're salty. Touch your neighbor and say you're salty. Touch your second choice and say you're shiny, you're shiny. What are you? You're salt and you're light. You are the light of the world. And Jesus said a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, church, what is your assignment? In the same way, 
let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You are salt and you are light. What I wanna do today is I wanna try to shift how we think about influence. And the problem is with our current view of influence is most people think it starts with platform. Platform, you gotta have a big platform. I wanna submit to you that true and lasting influence always starts with people before platform. It's always about the people in your influence and never ever forget what is a leader. A leader is someone who influences and all of you have influence. For example, um, I wanna kind of give you the story behind the story. I'm honored to um, be the pastor of Life Church. And if you said, who started Life Church? Who influenced the start of Life Church? Well, if you might know our story, you'd probably say, well, Craig, you and Amy did uh, 27 years ago. And if you know a little more details, you say, uh, there are some amazing people like Jim and Pat uh, with 40 people or so that gathered in a two car garage. And so it was actually Craig, and Amy and about those 40 people who influenced the start of Life Church. But if you know even more of the story, you would say, well, actually, there's a man named Pastor Nick Harris who actually helped influence the start of Life Church because when I became a Christian, I felt called to ministry, but I was a business major when I became a Christian and nobody told me to change my major. So I graduated with a business degree and said, I wanna be a pastor. And all the churches said, you don't have a Christian degree. And so I started going to a church and my pastor, Nick, who I'd never met, said, bring as many people as you can next Sunday because I'm gonna present the gospel. So I went back to my fraternity and saw my old drunk fraternity brothers and said, all of you are going to church with me this week. And they all said, to bleep, we aren't. And I would have said, to bleep, you are, but I was a Christian. So I didn't say, to bleep, you are. I said, yes, you are. And I managed to get 17 of them to come to this church together, sitting in pews. There was more testosterone in those two sections and probably since 1862. And my pastor said, if you brought someone with you, would you have your friend stand? And I stood up with three rows of hungover guys. And everybody looking, and my pastor, you could see the wheels turning. And he said, well, if you brought somebody, you remain standing and everybody else sit down. And I was still standing there. And he went over to one of the other pastors and you could hear him because he had a lav mic on. You just heard him go up to him and say, find that guy over there and hire him. And that's how I became a pastor. and I hadn't been to seminary yet, and I felt very, very insecure, and I said, but I cannot be a pastor, and Nick said, if you can influence that many people to come to church, God can do something special with you. So, who influenced the start of Life Church? Well, certainly Amy did, and 40 people did, and Nick did, but there was also someone else his name is actually Mike. And Mike was very likely the gentleman that was handing out free Gideon Bibles back when I was partying my little brains out and walked out of a business class and took a free Bible and started reading it. 
And I read in Matthew about how they killed Jesus and he rose again. And I read in Mark about how they killed Jesus and he rose again. And I read in Luke about how they killed Jesus and he rose again. I thought, you think he see it coming after all these times. And I had no idea, but I read ahead to Ephesians and I read that you could be saved by the grace of God and not by works so no man could boast. And I knelt down in a little softball field, a very sinful and broken person. And I prayed the best prayer I knew how and called on the name of Jesus. And when I stood up, I was different. And so if you ask who helped influence the start of Life Church, you probably better include Mike and maybe the people who made the Bible and those who shipped it and those who donated to the Gideons to help me get it. And if you go back even before that, there was this really cool guy at a school when I wasn't a Christian that I looked up to, not because he was just a great athlete, but because he was a great guy. And I was standing behind him in a line and looked down, he had this bracelet, I said, that's a cool bracelet. And he showed it to me and he said, the Lord is my strength and my shield. I was like, wow, that's bold, that's bold. You're wearing a Lord bracelet. I said, that's so cool. And he said, you like it? And I said, yeah, that's so cool. And this guy that I'd never met before said, I feel like I'm supposed to give this to you. And he took the bracelet off and he gave it to me. And I remember at that moment thinking, whatever he has, I want. It didn't happen at the moment, but there was a seed of influence planted in the soil of my heart. And that's why I want to tell you that influence isn't always instant. And influence isn't always obvious. Just because you don't see the harvest doesn't mean the seed didn't take root. Because you have no idea how our God might use one conversation, one word of encouragement, one expression of love to change someone's life. I wonder how many influencers do we have with us at church today? Ah, I think God is happy about that because you're salty and you're shiny. I'll show you my favorite story in all the New Testament of influence by the most unusual influencer you could ever imagine. In John chapter four, there was a woman that no one would have ever thought would influence anyone towards something special. Uh, to give you the context, Jesus was on a trip and he passed through Samaria, which was unusual because Jews hated Samaritans and Samaritans hated Jews and the Jews hated Samaritans because they were half Jewish and they were half Gentile. And the Jews would say a Samaritan in their mind was less than a human and worse than a dog. And Jesus was passing through Samaria and he sat down by a well and there was not just a woman, which would have been unusual for a man to interact with, but a Samaritan woman drawing water and Jesus dignified her with a conversation. And Jesus said to her, hey, ma'am, would you please give me a drink? And in John chapter four, verse nine, she was shocked. The Bible says the woman was surprised. She couldn't believe that Jesus would speak to her because Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, uh, you're a Jew 
and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, you can imagine with love, he said, if only you knew the gift that God has for you and who you're talking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. And she's like, I'm confused. This is a trivia game. I don't have a bucket and the, deep, the well is really, really deep. How are you gonna get this water? And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks of this water, the water from that well, will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I give will never be thirsty again. And the woman's like, please, 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 I want this water. And Jesus said, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. And the woman, probably very ashamed, said, I don't have a husband, she replied. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband for you have, you've had five husbands and you aren't even married to the one that you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. I want you to get the context of what's going on here. Most people would look and say, Jesus was talking to an immoral woman. But what Jesus saw was a miracle waiting to happen. See, he might've known the story behind the story. And when a lot of people would judge her, I could imagine there might be a reason why she was going through what she was going through. Think about it. She might've been, I'm just imagining this isn't in the Bible, but this could have been true for her. Maybe she grew up without a dad. And maybe somewhere along the way, she got mixed up in the wrong crowd. Uh, maybe she had a bad uncle that took advantage of her and abused her. Maybe this poor girl never wanted that lifestyle, but she'd end up in this cycle of dysfunction because she didn't know how to relate to a man in a healthy way. And she knew that everybody would have disliked her because of her reputation. That's why she showed up during the hottest part of the day because she didn't wanna draw any attention to herself. And then they're having this conversation. She's talking to Jesus and he's, and he's, he's offering her living water. It starts to dawn on her, wait, 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 wait a minute. I've heard, I've, I've heard the rumors like, like, like the, the Savior's supposed to come and the, like the Messiah's and there's this guy, he's been like loving people. He's been healing them. And I heard that he, like he healed blind eyes and I, I heard he opened deaf ears and I heard that he was like accepting people that were really broken. Maybe this is him. Why else would a Jewish man offer someone like me living water? And in John 8, scripture says, in John 4, verse 28, the Bible says that the woman left the jar beside the well and ran back to the village. And what did she do? She told everybody, come and see the man who told me everything I did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? She told everyone, so the people came streaming from the village to see him. What I love about this is what do you see? Is you've got a woman who's probably an outcast, who messed up again and again, who's hurting. And this broken woman teaches us that you don't need to have your life all together to influence someone for Jesus. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to 
be a seminary grad. You don't have to be able to find all the books of the Bible and they say, turn to Habakkuk. You say, oh, where is it? You don't have to pray the perfect prayers. You don't have to have gone without sinning for a whole week. You just have to care about people and love people and know the source that offers the living water. Just genuine, sincere, loving passion. I'll give you an example of how simple it can be. Um, this is a photo of my daughter, Joy, um, and she's worshiping. And I got an email from a guy who um, said this about seeing Joy worship. He said, I recently attended a Christian concert in Oklahoma City. I had a ticket for the pit where I was right next to the stage. And there was a girl beside me the entire time and something about her was just different. Something about her worship was different. I was in awe of how she represented God. After that night, I took away the idea that I have to become closer to God so I can have something special just like she did. Something that draws me closer to God, where it represents through me, where others can see my love for God. Later that week, I attended the night of worship at Life Church in Stillwater, Oklahoma, and you posted a photo of your daughter Joy on the screen, and I was like, wow! That girl was my pastor's daughter the entire night. That explains so much. It was your daughter that was so connected with God that it was contagious and wanted me to love God like that. Just the way somebody worshiped was contagious. And that very night, Joy told me that there was a young girl with her that was very alone at the concert, not singing, looked broken, and Joy went up to her and said, can I just pray with you? And the girl started crying. Joy witnessed to her. Joy, very simply, shared the good news of Jesus and offered her living water. Just simply being available. Just wor worship can be a witness. And this woman, who is loved by Jesus, ran back to her village and told everyone, 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 and what's funny about this story, if you read the whole thing, is she's bringing people to Jesus and the disciples showed back up and guess what they were thinking about? Food. <laughs> that's funny to me, because that would have been me. Like, Jesus, that's good, you healed everybody, but where's lunch, all right? And so they came back and said, where's the food? And Jesus uses this kind of farming metaphor and he said, the fields are ripe for harvest and he said the laborers, or we might say in today's um, meta metaphor, we might say the influencers are few. The, the world needs hope. The world needs healing. The world needs light. The world needs salt. And the influencers are few. In John 4, verse 39, Scripture tells how this woman influenced people that many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two weeks, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. The question that I want you to answer is this, who did God use? Not an Instagram star, not a YouTube influencer, not a celebrity or not a viral post. 
God used a woman whose name we don't even know. God used a woman who minutes earlier was searching for love in all the wrong places. And that proves you don't have to have your life all together to influence someone for Jesus. You're an influencer. You're an influencer. Don't waste your influence. Don't waste it. The smallest things, the smallest things. When I became a new Christian, I, this is an embarrassing confession, so I'm sorry. Uh, I heard a message on tithing. Give 10% of your income. I didn't pay a lot of attention. So I went to a Christian bookstore and gave him 10% of my income. That's what I did in exchange for some really cool t-shirts and some awesome cassette tapes and, and, a, and a cross pen. Now, just for the record, that's not what tithing is, but that's, I just, I wasn't paying attention. Tithing goes to God, but I took it to God's bookstore. Okay, so that's not how you do it. But I got this, look, the pen I got was a little bit smaller than this. A little bit smaller than this. Um, it actually looked a lot cooler than this, but anyway, I would wear it like this, and I wore it my very first day out, and someone came up to me, and they said, oh, that's a really cool pin, that's really bold, that's cool. And I remembered the Lord bracelet. And I said, oh, you like it, do you? I feel like I'm supposed to give that to you. And so I gave it to him. I went back, took an offering, to the Christian bookstore because it's above 10%. And I bought, <laughs> bought, a, bought another uh, cross thing. I didn't get home and someone else complimented it and I gave it to them. So then I got smart and I bought 20. <laughs> and I would put one on and a couple in my pocket. And I went to this convenience store and there was this lady who was very sweet, um, but by her appearance, might've had more of a difficult life than many other people. And she said, oh, I like that cross you're wearing. And I said, oh, I'm so glad you do because I feel like I'm supposed to give it to you. And she put her hand out and she said, no, 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 no. Not with what's going on in my life. I'm not, I'm not worthy to wear that cross. And I felt very empowered to tell her I was exactly where you were and felt very unworthy. And this is, you're exactly the type of person that God loves. And I think he sent me in here, not for a big gulp, but to give you a little cross. And she let me pray for her and she cried and she cried and she cried and she cried. And I gave her her little pen and I left and almost forgot about the story until years later, Pastor Nick helped me get into ministry. And a guy named Gary helped me start the church. And Pastor Jerry showed up in the early years and helped me build it along with Pastor Sam and other people. And all these people helped me do what we have now, which is live church. And one Sunday after church, I was in the lobby. And this lady came up and she said, I knew you were gonna be a pastor. And I said, what do you mean? She said, you don't remember me from 7-Eleven. I said, you're my cross girl, aren't you? <laughs> and she said, that one little gift helped change the trajectory of her life. And she hugged me and that time she prayed for me and thanked God for one little gift. 
What I want you to know is that you're salt and you're light. Like you're, you're a spiritual influencer. And it's as simple as inviting someone to come to your church or giving an offering or the real tithe to your church or like serving in your church, serving in the kids ministry, serving on the host team, just listening to someone that's hurting and offering to pray for them. It could be texting someone a Bible verse or posting your pastor's clip of his or her message on your Instagram account. It could be giving something to someone when they're in need in the name of Jesus. And I want you to know is that you have no idea how God might use one conversation, one word of encouragement, one expression of love to change someone's life. Who are you? You're not just a leader, you're a spiritual leader. You're an influencer. Don't waste your influence. Don't waste your influence. You have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling inside of you. Let the light shine, let the light shine. Let the fire overtake you, the fire, the passion to serve God, to love God, to represent God wherever you go. When you walk into the room, hope walks into the room. When you walk into the room, help walks into the room. When you walk into the room, healing walks into the room because you bear the power of Christ who transforms life. I got a question today. How many influencers are in the room? If you're an influencer, raise your hand. Leave them up right now as we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you empower this church to be your light in the community. Stir up the spiritual gift of divine leadership within us to do your will on earth as it is in heaven. Empower this church, God, to be a vessel in the community, lifting up the name of Jesus as we lift up his name, draw people unto him, that you would build your church, change people's lives, transform the community, all for your glory as these influencers are released in the world to let the salt work and to let the light shine. Bless them now in the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. and amen.